Hello, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you. We're just a few short weeks away from Christmas, and this is the point where time seems to speed up for me. It's just a blur of holiday parties and wrapping presents, baking cookies, driving to visit family, and working extra hard in the office to hit all of those end-of-the-year deadlines. But this is also the time of year I want to savor each moment because it truly is my favorite time of the year. So seven years ago, amidst the hustle and bustle of the holiday season, I carved out time to watch one of my favorite Christmas movies, White Christmas. And while watching it, I hand sewed the binding onto a last minute quilt that was a gift. That time of just working on something special with my hands curled up under that quilt with the twinkle lights shining on the tree and a heartwarming movie playing slowed time down for me and helped me relax and reflect in an otherwise busy time. I enjoyed that experience so much that every year since, I've made time to watch White Christmas while hand-binding the last quilt of the year. It's become such an important tradition in my life, something to look forward to every year, and it guarantees that I get at least those two quiet hours to myself to enjoy the holidays. Holiday traditions are so fulfilling. Let me share a few reasons why they're so important, and then we'll dive into some ideas for building your own quilty traditions into your holidays. First, traditions build a sense of security. No matter what else is happening in your lives, the lives of your family, or even in the world, traditions offer something to look forward to and count on. It teaches all those involved that you can trust others and trust in the history, even when times get tough. Next, traditions build relationships. Traditions bring along a shared history, shared memories, and shared love to all those involved. It's something everyone can talk about, they can reminisce on, and they can pass along to new family members or friends. It also brings people together to experience the tradition, which helps forge more and deeper relationships. And lastly, traditions connect us with the past. Traditions can serve as a way to connect the older and younger generations. It could be things like making a recipe that's been passed down from generation to generation or putting up decor that belonged to your grandparents or great-grandparents. These connections build a legacy and a way to pass down important values and culture. Security, relationships, and connection to the past, those are all wonderful things to infuse into your holidays. So, what are some ideas for making a quilty tradition of your own? Here are just a few ideas, so see if any appeal to you, um, or maybe you'll realize a way to make one of your own traditions a little more special. You could have a family tree decorating day, so you could play holiday music, sip hot chocolate, and reminisce on memories of the ornaments, the tree skirt, or even Christmas tree shopping. It would even be fun to stitch a new ornament for the tree every year, 
at the end of the decorating session, you could reveal the new ornament for the year and pick out a special member of the family to hang it on the tree. You could assign one of your Christmas quilts as a Christmas movie quilt. So you could bring the quilt out once a week to snuggle under while watching an old classic or a new Christmas movie. Or it can lay on the floor for the kids to gather on. Not having the quilt out all the time gives that quilt a special feeling when it's brought out for movie night. And then it becomes infused with lots of holiday memories of time spent together. You could host a card-making event with family and friends. So you can save your fabric scraps throughout the year. And then everyone can cut up the scraps and glue them onto plain cards or plain gift tags. And this is an event both kids and adults would love to participate in. They can arrange strips of fabric into holiday shapes, uh, cut out circles for ornament shapes, or, you know, even fussy cut motifs from fabric for a personalized message. It's a fun time to get creative and cross Christmas cards off your list. You could also consider having a traveling decor item, such as a quilt, a tree skirt, a table runner, or another small handmade item. Each year, that decor item goes to someone else in the family, which they use to decorate their home. At the end of the season, they could pass it on to the next family in line to use the following year. Maybe even that decor item has some sort of like a large label on the back. So each year, the family can write their name and date as a remembrance. Maybe each year, you and your sewing friends choose a small item to make for a charity in your area. You could gather at someone's house or maybe rent a room from a local activity center and spend the day sewing for the charity. You know, it could be pillowcases for a homeless or a women's shelter, it could be pet beds for an animal shelter, placemats for things like meals on wheels, or even small bags for a food shelter. And if you're like me and you just need a moment of calm and alone time, maybe the tradition is to have a baking night making batches of your favorite cookies. And while they're baking, you can work on a handwork project such as embroidery or English paper piecing. Just being able to focus on simple pleasures the holiday brings and make time for your quilting hobby can create beautiful and lasting memories for years to come. So I hope these ideas inspire you to share quilting with others during the season. We're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, we're chatting with Jessica Plunkett of Mayberry Square. Welcome back. Now we're chatting with Jessica Plunkett of Mayberry Square. Jessica is a talented quilter, pattern designer, and lecturer. Jessica is really influenced by her life and her relationships and does so much to foster community. I hope you enjoy our chat. Okay, Jessica, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Well, thanks so much for having me here today, Lindsay. I'm so excited to be here. So why don't we start off by um, you telling us how you got started quilting? Wonderful. Yeah. So my quilting journey starts with my great grandma, Georgie. Now, I suspect that there are many people whose quilting journeys may have started with a grandma, 
But my story is going to kind of pivot dramatically from here. Um, I did not learn from my grandma. Now, I say grandma, it is my great grandma, but just so you know, I'm going to refer to her as grandma going forward. Um, I did not learn from her, but she did sew and she did quilt. She um, made beautiful quilts, generally all by hand. So hand piecing, hand quilting, just all of that. And I remember vividly um, knowing that my grandma made quilts, but never having any interest in or being curious enough to really ask her any questions about it. And my grandma passed when I was 20. And so I had plenty of time and opportunity to be curious and ask, and I just didn't. So one thing I do remember is that when I would visit her, um, I remember sneaking into her room, which I'm sure that sounds so very strange, but the reason why was there were two reasons. She kept the door closed uh, to help keep her room cool. And I would love to go in there because I just wanted to feel how frigid it was, um, which is so silly. But I also wanted to spend time admiring this really pretty quilt that she had on her bed. And I used to think I was pretty sneaky, but I'm sure I'm sure my grandma realized that. Um, so as I mentioned, my grandma passed when I was 20 and my mom had called me several weeks later and let me know that my grandma had left two things to me. The first was the board game, Sorry. Uh, I remember spending long afternoons at my grandma's house and we would play Sorry together. And it just such a, a special time. And I enjoy so much that I have that now, the exact version, the exact set of the game that we played. And then the second item that my grandma had left to me was that beautiful quilt on her bed. And I do not know why to this day that she left that quilt for me. She had lots of other children, grandchildren, great grandchildren she could have left it to. I like to think that it was planting the seed that maybe I would one day learn to quilt. And so I imagine that you probably would think that means I went out and learned to quilt right away because she had left this quilt and I, had, again, had never asked as a child. But again, my story pivots. Um, it took an additional 12 years before I learned to quilt after my grandma had passed and left her prized quilt to me. My husband and I had just moved to a new state and I was actually out running. We lived in a very small town and just off the main strip was a quilt store. And as I passed it, I thought about my grandma the whole rest of the run. And when I passed back by it again on the way home on a whim, I stopped in and I asked if they had any intro to quilting classes coming up and they did. So three weeks later, um, I started a six week course to learn to quilt and the rest, as they say, is history. I love that. It, I love hearing how quilters got started sewing because so many times the story seems like it was destined. Like all of these little coincidences happen to lead someone to start quilting. And it sounds like that's exactly what happened to you. That is exactly what happened. And it's so funny to reflect on it now because clearly, as you can tell in my story all along the way, I wasn't getting it. Like I, do, I wasn't really getting the clues. <laughs> and then eventually I'm like, you know, I, I should really do this. And I am so very thankful to have what I call sort of this special gift from my grandma to me, both in her physical quilt, but that finally that spark and that curiosity to go learn about it myself, because I just absolutely love quilting. So you have a special connection to Lone Star quilts. So can you kind of explain where that love of that pattern came from and kind of that journey that pattern has taken you on? Yeah. So this is this is a fun part of the story, too. So the story that I just told you about my grandma, the quilt that she left to me was a Lone Star quilt. 
So the Lone Star is a variety of blue colors, light, medium to dark with a white background. Again, it's hand pieced, hand quilted, and it's queen sized. Like oh it is gosh. a very large <laughs> quilt, all done by hand. Very impressive. It's such an exquisite quilt. And I love it so much. So I knew that at some point I would want to make a Lone Star quilt in honor of my grandma. But again, just like my quilting journey story, it took me a long time to get there. I think it was maybe five years into my quilting journey that I finally sat down, read some tutorials, and figured out how to make a Lone Star. And I decided that I wanted to do a series. And the series would be an exploration of what if I were able to make a Lone Star quilt with my grandma? What if, what if we were able to sit down together right now and make one? What would that look like? And so I actually made a series of warm-up Lone Stars, I called them, just so I could practice the technique of how to piece them, how to cut accurately, focus on some special custom quilting. And then, um, uh, and so I made a series, I think it was three or four of them, and they were all very small. So they were mini quilts that finished at about 30 to 35 inches square. And then I decided I would make the first full quilt in the series, and it's called Fade Away Lone Star. And it's it's honestly a grief quilt to help me process my understanding of what happens to us and our loved ones, and specifically our memories when they pass. And so I made the Lone Star using a variety of pink fabrics, which was my contribution to the quilt. And then it has very large, expansive background in navy blue, which is the contribution from my grandma because that was one of her favorite colors. And the Lone Star quilt, it's it's something that really is probably like best viewed in person because it's broken apart, which is hard to describe. I'm sure people are like, what do you mean? And I literally pieced it and then <laughs> sliced it with my rotary cutter because it really represents sort of those gaps after someone has passed, like what is happening to our memories, you know, of them over time. And then in the upper left and um, lower left corner of the quilt are hand quilted lone stars. They're partial. It's about probably about 75%. It looks like they're kind of coming into the quilt. Um, and those stars have no color. They were stitched in also a dark blue um, thread because those represent like my mom, my daughter, myself, like people that we love who are still building, we're still building memories with. And one day, you know, when we pass, we become that center center star. And so that was the first quilt in the series. And it's been in several different exhibitions. In fact, it was in the um, Iowa Quilt Museum earlier this year. And it actually, it was interesting. It won the Viewer's Choice Award. And trust me, it was by far the it was the least impressive quilt amongst a very beautiful exhibit like it just it was it was different enough i think from all the other quilts where i was just like why did this happen but what i think is or what i assume because the story of the quilt was hanging next to the quilt itself i'm going to assume that the the story really resonated with people like just that connection of a loved one and what's happened to them and just knowing more of the story of my grandma and me and so I love that quilt. It was the first in the series. Um, I have started on um, the second and third quilts, but they're also a little bit challenging to work on. Like they're uh, emotionally challenging, but regardless of um, what their meaning is or how they're coming together, this has been such a beautiful opportunity for me to imagine what it might be like to quilt with my grandma, which is just really cool for me. And I, and I enjoyed working on this series. Yeah, I just love hearing that. I mean, I think so much about quilting is um, kind of how we infuse memories and emotions and 
kind of what's happening in our lives at the time into the quilt. So it's, I think it's very meaningful to um, showcase it in that way instead of just, you know, having it just be something you might only know as the quilt, like something that can share that story with others. Cause like you said, it does resonate. It really does. And I was, I was surprised with that at first. Like I made the quilt and, and kind of told people about it, like as I was starting to make it and they're like, okay, you know, and they were like, well, that's kind of interesting. And then it's like, once the whole story came together and I could see it and share it, wow, I, it did connect with people. And I just, I do think you're right that quilting is an opportunity for us to really, I don't know, to process and to take feelings and emotions and thoughts and things if we want to and and put them into our fabric. And um, it's such such an enjoyable process. Yeah. So obviously for you and many other people, sharing quilting with family members um, can really make an impact like like we saw with your story. Has your daughter shown any interest in sewing yet or does she like to help with any parts of the process? Oh, yeah. So this is funny. So besides my grandma, we believe like I'm the only known person who quilts within sort of our extended family. Um, But I have most certainly shared my love of quilting with my daughter. So it's funny. We actually all have titles in our household regarding quilting. So this includes everyone. Um, My cat is the director of quality assurance because (laughs) she tests out all the quilts for their snuggle factor. My husband is the director of quilt photography because he has to hold all the quilts (laughs) for me so I can take photos. Or sometimes I actually have him take the photos when I know I need something really like quality. He has a background in photography so he can help with that part too. And then I like to say that my daughter is the director of opinions uh, because she freely shares them anytime she's in my quilt (laughs) studio with me and I love it. So she does seem to have an interest in quilting, though I will tell you just sort of for her age, she doesn't really have like the attention span for it. Um, So I don't push it at this point. Like, even though, you know, I feel like I've mentioned, you know, a level of guilt that I didn't have an interest and ask my grandma, I don't necessarily, though, want to like counterintuitively push her into it but I absolutely involve her and she loves um, asking questions she loves picking out helping to pick out fabrics and threads and she has made a mini quilt for her stuffies a a little quilt for them and I think very shortly she's going to be ready to tackle like a larger quilt project together so she's very involved and I am most certain that one day we will definitely make uh, her first larger quilt together. That's so fun. I love that she has so many opinions and she's like really into dinosaurs, right? Oh, she's super into dinosaurs. So that's like a way you can infuse like her interests with quilting because you did make her a dinosaur quilt, right? I did. I did make her a dinosaur quilt. It was one that um, it definitely took some time and effort to piece, which I was all for. And I made for her a special um, pillowcase once using dinosaur fabric that she loves. She actually, she will tell people about it. Like we'll go into a quilt <laughs> store and she will tell the people working there, like the cool things that I've made for her, which <laughs> is really nice. Sweet. Um, and yes, I let her pick out from the store some dinosaur fabric so that way we can work on just some small projects together and I let her do that so that way she can be involved even if she's not quite ready for um, maybe all of the the steps yet. But yes, oh, that's so fun. fun. We have to take a quick ad break. We'll be back soon with more from Jessica. Okay, let's switch gears a little bit. So you are a member of the Modern Quilt Guild. Um You've had quilts juried into QuiltCon, and you recently became the program specialist for the Modern Quilt Guild. So 
Can you explain the benefits you found um, of belonging to a guild, first of all, and then kind of what your new job as program specialist entails? Yes. So I have been fortunate, yeah, to be around a lot of opportunities with, quote, guilds and community. And I think one thing for so many of us that we really truly yearn for, especially as adults, is community. And, you know, we had connections as kids, but then when you become an adult, you know, we start to wonder where we belong and and how we stay connected and for what reasons we connect with people, Um, especially when we're busy doing things like managing households or managing employment, like all the things we have to do. And I think quilting opens up this unique opportunity for connection because, first of all, I like to believe that if you don't, if you don't like quilting, it's a hobby. You're probably not going to continue doing it. So if you like it, first of all, that's a shared connection. So when you get together with people and you're quilting, in my opinion, you are, um, you are kind of bringing yourself, slowing the pace down a little bit, right? So I don't care if you're cutting fabric or piecing or hand quilting or binding or whatever it is you may be doing. You have slowed everything down so that you can relax and concentrate on the assignment at hand, but you're also connecting with other people, right? So you're having conversation. And I feel like when we we sort of let the barriers down then, and so we can have more open sort of fluid conversation about, you know, what's going on, whether it's good or bad or challenges or successes, whatever it may be. And I feel like that is one of the values of really connecting in community um, in, through quilting. So whether it's a guild or just local friends that you might be able to get together with, I just really like that we can talk about the craft or we can talk about our life or whatever it may be. Um, And I think that it's really important right now in particular to really find ways to collectively talk and collectively have community. So that's what I've loved about belonging to a guild. And that's essentially what my job now entails is thinking about how we build community um, around this craft. Yeah, I think um, we hear this on our end too, like we host uh, virtual quilt retreats sometimes and we hear feedback uh, from people that they don't have any other quilting friends. And so this is their way, you know, especially social media is a way for them to connect with people who have similar interests. And I truly think quilting is not a hobby. It is a lifestyle. So to- (laughs) 100%. (laughs) Yes. So to have, you know, that group of friends who understands it's, it's more than just making a quilt. It's like everything that is encompassing and that, that hobby, that lifestyle, that the making of a quilt and have other people who understand that is, is really uplifting and positive and makes you feel connected for sure. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So you are teaching some workshops at QuiltCon this, this next year. Um, So what, what are your workshops and what can attendees expect when they take some of your workshops? I am so excited because I absolutely love teaching and lecturing. And I think it's just because I love sharing and that connection. Like we just talked about, like quilting is a lifestyle. And so like I can share some of my joy and my perspective of, you know, what I love about quilting. So yes, coming up in February in Atlanta, I'm teaching two classes. The first is called Diamond Disco. And guess what? It's a class on how to sew with higher levels of accuracy, Lone Star Diamonds. So Mm -hmm. I'm coming full circle, really, truly, like with my grandma and my love of quilting and our collective, you know, connection, like I'm bringing that forward to other people. 
and in the class, because I have this experience of cutting all these different ways of cutting 45 degree diamond shapes, I'm going to be teaching others how if we slow down and do a couple of very simple steps, we can have a much like higher level of accuracy and piecing those 45 degree shapes. Because once you cut it on the 45, now you're dealing with bias um, and just so many other things that I just want to show people that they can feel comfortable and confident in creating um, these diamond shapes. And so at the end, the I will be providing to the students a variety of finishing options. So they can finish it as what we know of as a traditional Lone Star. And there's some other modern options where they can take what I call basically the blades when you make sort of the Lone Star pieces, and they can do some unique uh, layouts with that as well. So then the second class is called block play, where we'll take traditional, basically American quilt blocks and use some modern principles to really modernize those blocks. So one of my personal favorite challenges in quilting is really taking simplified blocks and turning them into something you know unique, a unique design, a unique look and feel for them. And so that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna, we're gonna slice, we're gonna dice, we're gonna turn, we're gonna twist, and we're gonna create new, shapes and designs out of these common quilt blocks. I think that would scare me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it will definitely be a very just relaxed look at. There will be lots of options for people yes. to sort of customize the way they want to for their comfort level. Cause I get it. It is, yeah. it can, it can feel a little daunting to be and like, I think, why am I doing this? <laughs> yeah. I think taking a class seems a little more low risk. Like I'm not doing it on my own. Right. It's just a small thing. <laughs> if it exactly, messes up, yeah. it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, kind of speaking of that, like especially in the age of social media, it really makes it easier for us to constantly compare our sewing lives, our quilts to others. Um, what are your thoughts on perfectionism in quilting and how we can overcome that fear of creating something, um, you know, in, in these times of comparison? <laughs> Oof. I have so many thoughts on perfectionism and quilting. I actually have a lecture that I've given many times called Redefining Perfect, and it's it's related to quilting. And I think what happens is, is that when we're feeling those feelings, right, those feelings of comparison, and we know how those feelings feel, they're not always great. Um, I think one of the first things that I tell people to do is to define what do you mean by perfect. It's really important to understand what it is that's really capturing your eye. Is it what you perceive as flawlessness or precision? Is it color selection? Is it unique composition? Is it something else? Um, first, recognizing what it is. And then next, defining your emotional response to seeing a perfect quilt. It's okay to feel good and bad emotions or positive and negative things. Like you might feel excited, but you may feel jealous or defeated that you aren't maybe doing or achieving this thing that you're seeing in a quilt. So next I challenge people to look at your the influences to our responses. So how does competition culture play a role? Because it unfortunately thrives. And and so that 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 can really play on how we feel about when we're when we're looking at or studying, you know, a lot of beautiful quilts right in front of us. How does the culture of perfect play a role? How do our own insecurities um, play a role as well? So what if 
in if we looked at this differently and in a different world, we used descriptive phrases to understand what we truly love about another quilt, not just, oh, that quilt's perfect. And I, you know, I, I could never make that. And instead say, wow, that color composition is so unique. I have never seen that before. I could never put that together myself. But hey, now I'm starting to recognize there's something about color that I'm drawn to. And maybe I'd like to go explore that further. So I think that's important to do. I think studying each element and truly recognizing something that is handmade versus factory made really matters um, and understanding the time and the effort, of course, that each and every one of us put into our own quilts. And then I think one of the most important things you can do in your own quilt practice is to define with each and every quilt that you're making, why are you making this quilt and what is the goal of the quilt? So if you sit down to make a quilt for the impending arrival of a new baby in a family, um, I challenge you to think about, again, what is the purpose of making that quilt? Because the reality is baby won't notice or care about the precision of your piecing, right? I mean, and it's not that you, it's not that you shouldn't still care about that process, but it's okay if you look at it and the points don't all line up. Maybe, maybe one is just a little off and you didn't even realize it. If you think about the goal of bringing joy and warmth and fun to the family and to the baby, like you may look at that quilt differently by the end. And you may you may say that that is a perfect quilt for what its goal is, right? Mm -hmm. So I always challenge people to just really consider the purpose of the quilt. And absolutely, at the end of every project, just take a moment to truly appreciate the work that you did with your own hands. It's very special what we create. And being able to recognize and appreciate that you did that, or even if it was a group effort, if, if many of you came together to create that, then to me, that really is perfect. And I, and, and, and points don't matter, you know, or precision or anything else at that point. It's just really appreciating and, and uh, your own work, too. I love that. That's a lot, lot to think on. <laughs> um, I always like to think of like the things I pick out about antique or vintage quilts are usually the mistakes. So uh -huh. like if, if there's a make do block because they didn't have enough of a fabric or they threw in kind of a weird looking color because that's what they had or the stitches were a little loose in places like those are the things I pick out that make something so special. Mm -hmm. So I always try to think like, okay, 50 years from now, when someone's looking at one of these quilts, like, is this what they'll pick out that makes it special? <laughs> right. That's such a good point to really recognize that someone made that quilt. A, a human being yeah. made that quilt and had right. to make decisions and made them for all the reasons they did. And I bet then you get curious to wonder, like, well, I'd love to know more of the story of the quilt, which I think is so much more important back to like the story or yep. the purpose of the quilt than again, maybe, you know, other, other details of it. Yeah. Okay. So you and your friend, Tina Curtis, you have hosted a few fun sew alongs the past few years. Like you did a quilt coat one, there was backpack one, a fanny pack one, which I loved. Um, do you have more planned? <laughs> we yeah. would love to know. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. So I'll give you a little backstory because I think this does matter. And this is back to community again. Um, I've been so fortunate to continue in my quilt journey to keep meeting amazing human beings who are quilters. And I've met a lot of people, certainly in person, like locally where I live, but I've also met um, a lot of quilters online and social media has helped facilitate that, um, which has 
you know, it has been wonderful. So I met Tina Curtis. Um, she happens to be at Tina1802 on Instagram um, through, through that channel. So we happen to really meet and start talking because of our shared love of Alice and Glass fabric. And so we just started, you know, chatting and becoming friends. And we talked about hosting a quilt coat sew along. Um, and we did end up hosting one in 2020. So during a time when people were at home and looking for connection, people had been, there were a lot of quilters who were interested in or curious about making a quilt coat, but sort of when you move from that two-dimensional, you know, to three-dimensional, like apparel, it, it, it can be, it can be quite a leap or it can feel daunting. Tina had previously made a quilt coat and I had not. And so it was fun for each of us to bring our own perspectives in of someone brand new versus someone who's done this before and really collect a lot of information and stories along the way. And so we hosted, um, that so along, a lot of people participated and I think, I hope, had a really good time. Um, and then we did continue, as you mentioned, we've hosted a few more, like a backpack along the fanny pack so along. Tina and I are both bag makers. And so we also like projects that sometimes, you know, can can be finished up uh, sooner than sometimes how long a quilt can take to, to make from start to finish. And we really love hosting them because we... I, I, I like to believe Tina and I are both community builders and we love connecting with people through our shared love of sewing. And so we really want to provide sort of like the encouragements and the tips and the enthusiasm for sewing all together. Yes, we do. We are planning to host more sew alongs in the future. Um, I can't share any details yet, but stay in touch with us um, because we do enjoy that process and meeting and connecting with so many other people too. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to see what you two have planned. <laughs> okay. I want to end the interview with just some rapid fire questions. So whatever first comes to your, your mind. Okay. So a favorite color to put in your quilts. Okay. Well, this is easy. It's Kona black or Kona pomegranate, which is a pink color. Um, those are my two favorite colors. They often end up in my quilts and oftentimes they end up in quilts together, both colors. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's a tool you can't live without? Oh, this is easy. The block lock half square triangle ruler. So I make, and thus I trim a lot of, uh, half square triangles. And this ruler really does help make the process for trimming so much easier. I love it. And I could not live without it. What's a quilty goal you have for the new year? I have plans to make a medallion quilt in the new year, which will be a first for me. I'm very excited to to give it a try. They're fun. Um, and what's something you're proud of in your quilting life? Well, I'd I'd like to believe that I am making my great grandma proud in terms of um, I guess becoming a quilter and not just becoming a quilter, it's really the understanding and the value of this craft. And, you know, recognizing and appreciating the work that she had to put into all of the quilts that she made and understanding the processes and, and that she had to do. And again, she she did so much like hand piecing and all those things. And I don't. And so I have so much respect for all the work that she did. But um, I would like to think that she would be proud of me. Um, and I think that makes me feel really proud then to be a quilter. I'm sure she is very proud of you. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jessica. Oh, thank you so much. We'll link to Jessica's website and social media in our show notes so that you can connect with her more. 
And if you're going to QuiltCon, consider signing up for one of Jessica's workshops. I have always wanted to make a Lone Star quilt, so would love to learn from the expert. And that's it for today's show. Now, we're planning a podcast episode in January about storage hacks and organization tips. So if you have any ideas, please email them to us at apqpodcast at meredith.com. That email is listed in the show notes. We can use all of the storage tips you have, so don't be shy. Everyone have a great week.